Happy Wednesday morning, everyone. It is the day before a beautiful, beautiful solemnity. That's right, tomorrow is the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception, but we're not there yet. Today is December 7th, and we begin our day in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your sacred heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It is very good to be with you on this Wednesday morning here on Roadmap to Heaven. As I was giving you the date this morning, I remembered that today is the anniversary of the Pearl Harbor attacks that catapulted the United States into World War II. And last night I was talking with my eldest daughter and she was telling me what they're learning in history class. And we started talking about um, the first world war. She said, what constitutes a world war? You know, what, what makes any war different than a world war? How, how is a world war different? Is it everybody? And so we started talking about the ins and outs of it. And she asked that question, well, why would people go to war? And I said, you know, honey, that's a question that I don't know the answer to, but here's what I do know. We have to pray for peace every day and we have to pray our rosary every day. And it was a good opportunity to speak with her about the message of Our Lady of Fatima, who spoke about the First World War and then warned that another great war would come if people didn't repent, if people did not start praying the rosary every day. She gave us the instructions we would need to avoid it, and we did not heed her call. But she still calls us to pray that rosary each and every day. So a good reminder for us today that we should pray our rosary today. On the show, we are going to be talking with Leah Darrow about the great big Christmas show that's coming up next week. Well, what's that? You've got to stay tuned and find out. I'm not going to tell you any more right now because we're going to talk about it later. Also, Father Jeffrey Kirby's back with us today, and we're going to be getting ready for next Monday's feast of, or not next Monday, next Tuesday's feast, I believe. I've got to get my calendar out now, of St. Lucy. She's one of the, the feasts we celebrate this month and a beautiful one to talk about as we are in that second week of Advent. Um, so we'll be talking with Father Kirby about St. Lucy, and we've got a little bit more for you on the show as well. But before we can go to any of that, let's go now to Mike Roberts for today's weather. Today is the memorial of St. Ambrose, Bishop and Doctor of the Church. Born in 340 in what is now Germany, his father was a Roman prefect, and he was the youngest of three children. According to legend, bees swarmed over his face when he was a baby, leaving a coat of honey. His father saw this as a sign of future eloquence, and this is why images of Ambrose often have beehives. His father died when he was still young, but Ambrose was able to continue his studies, which took him to Rome, where he followed in his father's footsteps and became a public servant. Eventually, he was made governor of the Lombard region in northern Italy, where he developed a well-earned reputation for an ability to handle difficult issues. It was during this time 
when the divide between Arians who denied the divinity of Christ and Catholics was at its deepest. In Milan, which was close to violence between the two groups, Ambrose was asked to moderate a heated debate. Not only did he succeed in keeping the peace, but he was elected bishop. Ambrose was fearless. When the empress demanded that the two basilicas be handed over to the Arians, he refused, telling her she would have to execute him if she wanted those. He also stood up to the emperor after the massacre of 7,000 Thessalonians who had revolted, saying, the emperor is in the church, not above it. The emperor not only recanted, but did public penance. He was a prolific writer, a tireless warrior against heresy, and had a great understanding of scripture. And of course, he was the mentor of St. Augustine. Guiding Ambrose always was his love for the Blessed Mother and Jesus. St. Ambrose, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. If you're like me, you love a good Christmas variety show. I love when all the singers come together. And quite frankly, I have to be honest with you, most of the time I prefer to go back in time to the VHS copies. You heard me correctly, VHS copies of the Christmas specials and variety shows I watched as a kid. But this year, I am so excited for a Christmas variety special. It, I mean, it's big. It's going to be great. It's it's the great big Christmas show brought to us by Max Studios and the University of St. Thomas. And here to share with us a little bit about this great big Christmas show, we are happy to welcome by phone Leah Darrow. Leah, it's so good to speak with you today here on Roadmap to Heaven. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, and I love, love, love talking about this topic of Christmas shows and holiday shows. It's going to be fantastic. Now, we, we all kind of know the recipe. There's probably going to be some storytelling. There's probably going to be some singing. There might even be some food going on. What do we have to look forward to with the great big Christmas show? Oh, there is such a variety of talent there. And I, I'm a part of this. I and mean, I don't, I'm not really talking about my talent whatsoever, but there are some amazing, amazing personalities that really showcase some fun aspects of just the Christmas season, preparing our hearts, but in a very joyful and entertaining way. I was able to participate in this with my family. So you'll see a little bit of just kind of what goes on at the farm with me and my six kids and the things that we do with cookies. And it's a big mess. So if you're like me and you have a big family or you have a family that likes to make a mess, you're going to feel very comfortable being a part of this Christmas special. I feel at home already. I've got five kids, and uh, our house is a perpetual state of mess because we we don't have a farm to spread out on. We're in a a small little bungalow. But I will say this. The other thing you mentioned is your family, Leah. I am always looking for something that I don't have to worry about. What's going to happen? Is this going to be okay to have on with the kids? And that's another reason I'm excited for the great big Christmas show. So I wonder, could you give us a little sneak peek? If if, if we're going to be talking about Advent and Christmas traditions, what's one of your favorite ones? One of the things that my family and I have begun to do is, um, and this is, it's not new to the church, it's just new to us. So we're just, we're jumping on to something that's been going on actually for a really long time with many Christians. But there's something called the Nativity Fast, 
And it's so interesting, but this is it's what some, some Christians, and especially Byzantine Eastern Christians, still do. But we've taken it into our family. And I, I kind of give like a little bit, just to give you a little hint of something that we talk about. So I'm definitely decorating cookies with my kids and doing stuff like that. But we also take part of this nativity fast, which means that we intentionally fast from certain foods on certain days of the week to help remind us that we are really preparing ourselves and that we want to engage in this Advent season in a way where we're not celebrating before the party really begins. And this is something just personally that me and my family have done. And so we brought it to the Christmas special. We were showcasing, we were telling Max Studios all about this, and they were really interested in having us share a little bit more about that. It's a new tradition, but it's something that Ricky and I have been doing with our six kids. So we kind of hold back on some of the really Christmassy celebrations so that we can kind of keep our excitement and our anticipation focused on Christ. What a beautiful word, anticipation. And I have a feeling that's a uh, tradition that some of us might be stealing from you or borrowing, I guess we could say, and, and putting into practice in our own families. Now, once again, speaking of families, Leah, I mentioned I'm excited because this is going to be safe to have on with my kids around. But I think yeah. that the better question is, is this something to sit down and watch with the kids, too? Yes, this is like, you need to think about, like, this is like old school, like when TV was really good, when you could sit down with your whole family, with your grandma, with the young kids, the toddlers, and you could sit down with like your little goodies and your treats, and you're going to sit down around the TV, and you're going to really enjoy. Yes, this is an event. I really think that families should engage with this Christmas special in such a way because it really has you sit down. And unlike other Christmas specials that are so secular and they're about Santa Claus and presents and gifts and they sing songs that have nothing to do with Jesus Christ, this is something so centered on our faith and centered on family. You're going to walk away just feeling so edified that you were entertained and you got to enjoy something that has something central about your faith, a part of every aspect of it. Well, I, for one, cannot wait. The Great Big Christmas Show is going to premiere on YouTube on the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, December 12th. You're going to want to tune in. It's 30 minutes of just beautiful Christmas and Advent fun. Leah Darrow, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. By chance, where can our listeners go if they'd like to just learn a little bit more about this and get ready for the Great Big Christmas Show? Definitely. You want to make sure that you're following, actually, Max Studios. They're the ones producing this event. I will post things on my social as well, but Max Studio is going to make sure that you have everything you need. I really encourage families to like put this on the calendar. Put it in your calendar. Make it a watch party with your friends. Let everybody know, even if you have family far away, everybody sit down at that time and get together and just have a little special moment, a little Christmas party around this Christmas special. We'll be sure to share the trailer on our social media at facebook.com slash Roadmap Radio. And I love that, too, because I've gotten so used to on demand. And, you know, I remember when TiVo came out and we could record a show in case we missed it. But there was a day, Leah, that we had to say, all right, this is going to be on on Monday night at this time. And we better be home because we don't want to miss it. I couldn't even figure out how to program a VCR back in those days. So this is bringing back so many great childhood memories. I want to thank you for taking the time with us on the show today. Oh, you bet. I'm so happy to be here, and I can't wait to be with you all on December 12th.
prayer before a crucifix. Good and sweetest Jesus, before thy face I humbly kneel, and with the greatest fervor of spirit I pray and beseech thee to fix deep in my heart lively sentiments of faith, hope, and charity, true sorrow for my sins, and a firm purpose of amendment, while I consider thy five most precious wounds, having before my eyes the words of David the prophet concerning thee, my Jesus, they have pierced my hands and my feet, they have numbered all my bones. We are always happy to talk with Father Jeffrey Kirby. Today is no exception. And Father, today it's good to see your face as we uh, get together here on the radio and on the internet. Yes, likewise, Adam. It's good to see what we uh, both look like. So yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, s- speaking of seeing, that's actually who we're going to talk about today is a patron saint um, who, you know, perhaps you've seen her depicted with a wreath on her head or eyes on a platter. Father, who are we talking about today? Yeah, so today is St. Lucy, powerful intercessor. So I guess the first question is, why is she carrying her eyes on a platter, Father? <laughs> yeah, I have to say our, our Catholic spirituality is is very bodily in many respects. So Lucy is shown with her eyes on a plate because her eyes were plucked out as part of her martyrdom as she was remaining faithful to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So we know many of our early martyrs, uh, they, they suffered horrible torture. And almost in a way to kind of mock that, but also to honor the fact that they were willing to die for the faith, uh, the early church especially started using the means by which they were tortured as ways to glorify them. So Lucy is there holding proudly her eyes that all that Christ has done for her, she was able to give him her eyes. So it's both a a kind of tongue-in-cheek in in one sense. Uh, We see the sense of humor of, of God in the church, but also as a symbol of triumph of these holy martyrs. I have been counted worthy enough to give my eyes for the Lord, and so I will present them for the Lord, seems to be the sentiment. I, You know, Father, I have to say, I hope that I could have that grace that if our Lord said, listen, you're going to have to endure this persecution, and they're going to come, you know, for your tongue. You're on radio, they're coming for your tongue, <laughs> that I would have the grace to say, then let them take my tongue for you, O Lord. And I tell you, that's why we need these early martyrs, because, you know, so oftentimes, you know, thanks be to God, in, in, in the West, we are, we are relatively free in, in terms of our religious expression, and we can forget even today, in over 50 countries, it is illegal to publicly declare the divinity of Jesus Christ. So there are Christians today who are suffering martyrdom. And, and of course, you know, there's a different type of martyrdom in our world today where we're stripped of respectability. We're called terrible names. People you know, do not receive job promotions. They're ostracized in their neighborhoods. So uh, the martyrdom may not be bloody, but it's real. So we can look at these early martyrs and say, here are these holy ones who stood you know, the test of time, who withstood all the challenges in, in terms of, of apostatizing, abandoning the faith, and, and remained faithful. So when we're thinking, you know, oh, do, do I say something, you know, to this neighbor? Do I mention something to to this coach? You know, we can remember and, and be reminded and strengthened by these these early martyrs. And and if I can just brag on, on St. Lucy for a little bit, you know, in, in, in our discipleship, I, I'm sure you know, we've all seen this in one way or another, but we realize that there are certain sayings that kind of pick us. You know, they're kind of always around. Well, I, I have to tell you, Adam, Lucy must have very early on picked me because she has been a huge part of my discipleship, a huge part of my priesthood. And honestly, I really didn't know much about St. Lucy. In fact, I'm still kind of learning about her in terms of, you know, different accounts of her life and stuff. But I tell you, I have prayed to so many people to St. Lucy. I can tell you that I have witnessed miracles eyesight restored, medically certified miracles through the intercession of St. Lucy, where people have come and and they said that I'm going to lose my sight and so on. 
So let's pray to St. Lucy. Let's give you the anointing of the sick. Let's ask for the intercession of, of St. Lucy. And of course, the grace of the sacrament, the intercession of this Holy One. Th these are real. Like sometimes like we can almost in our in our secular age dismiss the power of prayer or the power of authentic healing. And I can tell you, this is one place where I can say I have seen it, where medical doctors were confounded. And, you know, they always say this, you know, unexplainable by contemporary medical science. <laughs> you know what I mean? A.K.A. God's working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And Lucy, she just has a real heart for those who suffer, especially in terms of eyesight. Now, another beautiful aspect of St. Lucy it lies in her name. You say, what's in a name? And I, I was musing on the show yesterday that um, St. Nicholas Day is really the first we've put up decorations in the house this year. I like to use as a uh, season of preparation. So starting with St. Nicholas Day, little by little, things will start appearing in the living room and the dining room. This week, the other big task is to put the lights up outdoors, because I do actually, I want to have those up for St. Lucy's feast day next <laughs> week. Uh, Father, you know why I'm mentioning that, but please share with our listeners, why St. Lucy and lights? Where are we going here? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Lucy in, in, in Italian is Lucia and, and, and means light. So, and, you know, and her name has always been associated with clarity, perspective, insight, but her name actually just means light. We can almost see, you know, as you said, what, what's in a name, that her name itself, in many respects, reflected the vocation that eventually she would be asked uh, to fulfill as a martyr. So we can actually look to the saint who is a patron saint of eyesight, but also, you know, again, I always just see this as God's sense of humor. Right? That, that her name would actually mean light. So you can imagine the person who's healed through her intercession is able to see and, and to see light. So again, we just see the, the mystery and, and the sense of humor of God. I hear, I'm hearing those voices. Do you see the light? Do you see the light? <laughs> right. yeah, well, hopefully, yeah. hopefully we do. Yeah. Yes. Fa Father, with that in mind, uh, you know, I'd like to turn our attention elsewhere, but related for a moment. We think of words in the church, and I love our vocabulary in the church. We think of the crucifer who carries or brings the cross in the procession. We think of the thurifer who carries the thurible or the incense in the procession. And actually, that word Lucifer would be the light bearer, the light bringer. And yet, I bet there are people pausing right now saying, wait a minute, hold on. Isn't mm. Lucifer one of the names for the devil? How could the light bringer be a fallen angel? I guess what I want to ask here, Father, does that mean that, you know, before the fall of the angels, this particular angel could have been tasked with that bringing of the light to the world and said no and rebelled, and hence why Lucifer could be a fallen angel? Yes, yeah, very much. In fact, according to the prophets from the Old Testament, Lucifer was a, a cherubim. So there are nine choirs of angels, and the cherubim are the second highest. The, the very highest are the seraphim, means the burning ones. Because they're right there in the presence of God, they burn with the love of God. The next level, the cherubim, and by prophetic tradition, Lucifer was a cherubim. He he was you know you can imagine our guardian angels are like on the ninth level, right? Saint John Henry Newman said, if we saw any angel, the lowest, lowest, lowest angel, if we were to see him, we would think that it was God because the majesty and the beauty and the splendor of even the lowest of the lowest angel is so far above us. And yet we imagine this ninth level, these angels, our guardian angels are in this group, and you go all the way up, and Lucifer's there as a cherubim, which means he saw the presence of God. He ministered to the throne of God. He was there. Uh, tradition also recounts that he was in charge of the sacred music. 
that he was also, of course, in charge of the light. He carried the light and so on. So, and then we have other traditions from the early fathers, you know, in terms of that he was assigned specifically to care for the Garden of Eden and for our first parents, which is why he was so filled with jealousy when he realized that humanity would surpass him by nature, that, that by, by grace, you know, the, these human beings that God had created would be superior to him and so on. So a lot of tradition uh, surrounds him. But uh, to your point, Adam, this was an angel who very much saw the light, was in the glory of that light, and chose not only to rebel, but to lead others in rebellion. A good reminder for us that uh, we have a task before us, and we should follow the example of St. Lucy and be willing to sacrifice ourselves and not follow the example of the devil to say, me, 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 I, 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 and it's it's just a good reminder. Father, I can think of no better way to conclude our time together than invoking St. Lucy's intercession, and as you're the priest, if I could turn it over to you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Let us pray. Father, we ask your blessing upon us. May you bless your people to see the light. We always surrender to your goodness, to your majesty. We ask for the intercession of St. Lucy for each of us, but especially those who might be suffering from poor eyesight or difficulties or illness surrounding the eyes. Through Christ our Lord, amen. amen. And Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Father Jeffrey Kirby, thank you so much for being with us on Roadmap to Heaven today. And a happy Feast of St. Lucy to you and all the folks out at Our Lady of Grace. Thank you, Adam. Prayer for God's Blessing of One's Daily Work. O Lord, my God, creator and ruler of the universe, it is your will that human beings accept the duty of work. May the work I do bring growth in this life to me and to those I love and help to extend the kingdom of Christ. Give all persons work that draws them to you and to each other in cheerful service. I unite all my work with the sacrifice of Jesus in the Holy Mass, that it may be pleasing to you and give you glory. I beg your blessing upon all my efforts with St. Joseph as my example and guide, help me to do the work you have asked and come to the reward you have prepared. Amen. Here is your catechist question for the day. Tomorrow we celebrate the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. Who declared the Immaculate Conception? Who declared that dogma? Which pope? I'll give you a clue. There are 12 popes named Pius. It's one of the 12. But which pope was it? Well, in 1854, it was Pope Pius IX who solemnly proclaimed the dogma of the Immaculate Conception in his papal bull, Ineffabilis, um, Ineffable. We declare, pronounce, and define that the doctrine which asserts that the Blessed Virgin Mary from the first moment of her conception, by a singular grace and privilege of Almighty God, and in view of the merits of Jesus Christ, Savior of the human race, was preserved free from every stain of original sin, is a doctrine revealed by God, and for this reason must be firmly and constantly believed by all the faithful. There you have it. Uh, tomorrow is a holy day of obligation, as we recall this solemnity, the Immaculate Conception, and so we are obliged to go to Mass. Now, I know many parishes will have Mass beginning this evening, tomorrow morning, tomorrow midday, tomorrow evening, but you need to get to Mass. So have that plan for tomorrow. How are you going to get to Mass? When are you going to go? Don't leave it up to chance. Make that plan now of when you're going to go, where you're going to go, whether it's first thing in the morning, whether it's on your lunch break, whether it's in the evening tomorrow, and do something to make the day special. You know, we, we treat Holy Days of Obligation like we treat Sundays. It should be a day set apart. 
Um, perhaps in your celebration tomorrow night with dinner, you could have a sweet treat for dessert as a way of celebrating as well. Start it with prayer. Continue it throughout the rest of your day, the celebration of the Immaculate Conception. A prayer to St. Joseph. O blessed Joseph, faithful guardian of my Redeemer, Jesus Christ, protector of thy chaste spouse, the Virgin Mother of God, I choose thee this day to be my special patron and advocate, and I firmly resolve to honor thee all the days of my life. Therefore, I humbly beseech thee to receive me as thy client, to instruct me in every doubt, to comfort me in every affliction, to obtain for me and for all the knowledge and love of the heart of Jesus, and finally, to defend and protect me at the hour of my death. Amen. We are midway through our week, and here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement, Patty Schneier is sharing with us Thoughts on the Blessed Mother from Pope Benedict XVI. Patty, what's in store today? Well, today um, we're going to talk about the visitation. So Monday was Immaculate Conception. Yesterday was Annunciation. Today, let's visit the visitation. And Pope Benedict said these words in his address at the Vatican Gardens at the close of the month of May, May 31st, 2005. And he said this, In his last encyclical, Ecclesia de Eucharistia, our beloved Pope John Paul II, presented her to us as woman of the Eucharist throughout her life. We pause to meditate on the mystery of the visitation of the Virgin to St. Elizabeth. Mary went to see her elderly cousin Elizabeth, and Mary was carrying in her womb the recently conceived Jesus. And then he goes on to say these words. This is the point. In a certain way, we can say that Mary's journey was the first Eucharistic procession in history. I love that thought. Isn't that awesome? So what when we are in a Eucharistic procession, like Corpus Christi, for example, we are imitating exactly what Mary did, carrying Jesus out into the world to greet others and bless them with his presence. I just I just love that. And then Pope Benedict went on to say Jesus is the hidden protagonist in the meeting between Mary and Elizabeth. So Mary bears him in her womb as in a sacred tabernacle and offers him as the greatest gift to Zechariah and to Elizabeth, who also in doing so to the infant developing in her womb, John the Baptist. So I love that. And here's what Pope Benedict said. Whoever opens his heart to the mother encounters and welcomes the son and is pervaded by his joy. So true Marian devotion never obscures or diminishes faith and love for Jesus Christ, our Savior. On the contrary, entrusting ourselves to Our Lady is a privileged path tested by numerous saints for a more faithful following of the Lord. So what did Elizabeth do? Basically, she just opened her home to Mary. And in doing so, she received Jesus automatically. And I love that quote, that he assures us that Marian devotion is never obscures or diminishing our faith and love for Jesus. Rather, it intensifies it. So today, be like Elizabeth, open your home, open your heart to Mary, and in doing so, you'll receive Jesus. And then the next time you're ever in a Eucharistic procession, just picture yourself, really, like being Mary visiting Elizabeth. You're living out the visitation. It makes me think of one of my favorite images of the Blessed Mother over in Belleville, Illinois, where she stands inside what is depicted as a chalice presenting her son to the world. First tabernacle, a living tabernacle, and in a way the first monstrance exposing our Lord to us. It's a beautiful image, and Patty, thank you for sharing that with us today. 
it was either yesterday or the day before I mentioned I'd share with you a little recipe my daughter and I love to put together, and that is for our chocolate-covered peanut clusters. It's a pretty simple recipe. You just need to get yourself eight squares of vanilla almond bark and then a bag of semi-sweet chocolate chips. It doesn't really matter whether they're the big chips or the little chips. You just need a bag of them. And then in a double boiler, so you put some water in a pot, you put bring it to a boil, you put a glass bowl, a heat-safe glass bowl, like a Pyrex bowl on top of that, throw in the almond bark, the chocolate chips, keep stirring until it melts, and then once it does that, you add about a cup, cup and a half of, uh, I like to use Spanish peanuts, but really anything that doesn't have the holes or the paper around them will work. Um, the plainer, the better in my experience, and you just stir that up, and then you take a big tablespoon and you glob that onto pieces of parchment paper, and you make clusters. Now, something we did different this year to make it a little bit easier for ourselves was once we had that mixture, we actually just grabbed a, the, the hot uh, the oven mitts and a spatula and put some parchment paper down on a cookie sheet and just let that all slide out of the bowl onto the cookie sheet. And it, when it was mostly hardened but still a little bit soft, we took our pizza cutter through it and cut it into squares. And that was actually a little bit easier than doing the peanut clusters. It's a great activity to do, you know, this time of year as we continue to make our preparations in Advent. We make our spiritual preparations and we make our preparations around the home. And one of my favorite things about this is it's an activity that brings me together with my kids. They enjoy helping with these various things, whether that's trimming the tree or putting the decorations up, as I said with Father Kirby earlier, slowly but surely. It brings us together in family time. For instance, the other evening we needed to make room to put our stockings up. And we have all these books we've accumulated over the years on a bookshelf, and the bookshelf became too small, and so the books started piling up on the floor. Well, it was time to go through and go through all of those books. What are we keeping? What are we giving away? What are we going to just take down for a little bit while we start to put decorations up, and then we'll put them back on the bookshelves after the Christmas season comes to an end. And it was a great occasion to go through, oh, I remember when so-and-so gave us this book and all the fun times we had reading it together. And I remember reading this book to you as a child, as you sat on my lap in the rocking chair, just as a baby, I would read this to you. You read that to me, Dad? All these great things to do to come together as family. It's really a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of all saints, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A quick programming note for you. We're not going to have Roadmap to Heaven tomorrow morning due to the solemnity. We will be broadcasting Holy Mass here on Covenant Network. Also, next week, we have our winter mini radiothon, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. We're going to visit with a bunch of fun people. We're going to be talking about holiday memories and traditions, as well as many other great things. So tune in for that. But we'll be back with you Friday morning and Monday. Until then, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Roadmap to Heaven. And do not forget to pray your rosary today.